AWA Championship Wrestling. The AWA presents the greatest stars in professional wrestling, bringing you the best in mat action. And welcome to Worldcast. I'm Pete, and I'm with Kelly and Johnny. Kelly, how you doing, man? Doing great, brother. And Johnny, what's going on, my friend? I'm doing good. I cannot wait to talk about uh, the show we're going to talk about tonight as we're taking a little detour, as you mentioned, because this was a uh, suggestion of mine because I've become fascinated with this era of this promotion. (laughs) So um, what we're going to be looking at, you know, we're fans of the Hidden Gem section, but here we're going to be looking at the AWA one they released a few weeks back of Super Clash 4, which is a show uh, people didn't think it was ever taped. Um, obviously, it was. It uh, didn't have any commentary on it, anything on it. Uh, but you know, AWA is really fascinating, especially on the on the dying days and stuff. Oh boy! Because you know they're 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 throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks. Here we're seeing a, a potential group that on paper seemed like they'd be awesome, but we never got to see what happens. Um, it's cool looking at guys who were former WWF stars or uh, national stars like Ronnie Garvin or uh, um, uh, whoever. Uh, you, you know, we see like Cooking and Maximus who would end up becoming big WWF stars. Yeah. Um, so it's always fascinating to see how the AWA booked people and if they did it worse or better than the WWF or or Crockett or what have what have you. Uh, and and then we and and it's just it's, it's just neat. You see Eric Bischoff, who actually looks older than he, what he did when he was on Nitro. Um, <laughs> His hair well, days. Yeah, more gray, salt and pepper. Yeah, um, <laughs> you see how green he is. We got some really some outtake videos uh, of interviews. I'm sure Johnny's going to have a field day with. Oh boy. Um, we got some. We got the good, the bad, the ugly. We got some good wrestling, some bad wrestling. And some stuff you just don't want to even look at. Uh, but it's pretty. It's a, it's, a, it's a nice capsule, definitely to look at uh, of '80s wrestling. Because you know, if you look, if you if you just have the modern eyes, you look at it on these shows where it's now in wrestling, it's just loaded with talent. Like everyone can work. Everyone can do big high spots and get the crowd. Um, back in the day. They usually would have two or three main event matches, and they'd have a lot of filler on there um, because it was the main event that sold the show, not the promotion, which nowadays it's it's a promotion that really sells the shows. Uh, But I always find it fascinating to look at it uh, because it's booked and promoted so differently. Even even Vince Vince McGann, we're not talking about the AWA here right now, but even Vince – he was still, he was in charge of booking in the eighties, and he's in charge of presenting what he does now. And it's like two totally different people are doing the uh, promoting and stuff uh, because of the times and stuff. Kelly, what are your initial thoughts of the show and stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, I've always been kind of a fan of the AWA because when I was a kid in the eighties, it was on TV in Canada. It was on TSN, the ESPN show, uh, always on. You never knew it was preempted all the time sometimes it was on late at night sometimes it was on right after school 
Sometimes it was on, you know, Sunday mornings. So it was hard to follow. But as a kid, I never, I didn't notice the flaws, even though when you look back and watch it now, you see all the empty seats and the talent was getting worse and worse. And yeah, it declined. The last thing I really remember was around Super Clash 3, the one they did, the only pay-per-view they did uh, in December 88 that had the big lawler Kerry Von Erich unification match. And then mm-hmm. I kind of drifted out of wrestling. I remember the Destruction crew coming in, and th- I thought they were cool because they were kicking everyone's ass. They ended Wahoo's career, and I think they ended Ken Patera's career, like kayfabe. And yeah. and it was it was cool, but then I kind of drifted out of wrestling for a few years. And by the time I got back, the AWA was dead. So this was something I missed. And and actually, by 1990, the show we're looking at is from April. It's 8th. dead. Yeah, it was dead. April 8th, 1990. I think they only had a few more shows, like a handful of shows in their history this left after this. They did a TV taping in the summer in 1990, um, and then it. it Pretty much died. They had two shows in 1991 that uh, Vern promoted just as like a goodbye to the fans sort of thing. Yeah, one of them had Flair Pillman on it. No, actually, that's we'll talk about this later. The Flair Pillman match was the very next month. Yeah, yeah, this, this led up into it, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This this show, oh, and then they do a show okay. in May uh, at the same building, the St. Paul Civic Center, with uh, Flair and Pillman. But yeah, I got some. Info on that if you guys haven't heard about it. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they, they literally had just a five or so shows left in the tank. Which is, I'm hoping that pops up as a hidden gem. I think, I think there's a good chance. I think it'll be yeah. like this, <laughs> one with no commentary. Uh, I think since this one turned up, I think there's a pretty good oh. chance that one could turn up, too. And oh, it's wait, actually, wait. on paper, it looks like a better card. Uh, yeah, this one, agree. this one, this one actually has commentary. We just didn't expect it. Well, okay, the kind yeah. of commentary. <laughs> True. True that. Yeah, 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 there's all kinds of. But yeah, no, this is cool. AWA, like I said, always has a special place in my heart. And this is Dying Days, Dust Door, AWA. But yeah, there's still yeah, fun like, stuff here. I'm kind of like with you. I mean, for me, I mean, most of the AWA that I watch is off the Death Valley Driver sets. And but growing up, it was on ESPN for me. And I was kind of watched it from pretty much the Midnight Rockers Bad Company feud until the dying freaking days, until it ended. And yeah, and I, for me, I remember really digging the Destruction Crew. Uh, but yeah, but you know, now when you look back at it, it's like a lot of it's really, it was very bad, very boring television. This uh, was very, Super Clash. <laughs> very mediocre stuff. Uh and but yeah, but it but I just all for me the thing I always remember is welcome to Ireland because the best uh, that was the like the one of the bright spots was him cutting promos on AWA television and Larry's never been a guy known for his promo work but I always thought he was very entertaining as the AWA champion. Uh, Johnny, what are your thoughts on on the show and the AWA oh, in general? Well, uh, first of all, the AWA in general. You know, we've talked about it when we uh, talked about Pro Wrestling USA. So, you know, go back and listen to that one. It's in the archives. Um, but, yeah, I watched, you know, my fair share of AWA, saw my fair share live. And what I was fascinating with this show in particular, because I had, please, by ni- 1990, I wasn't watching wrestling at all. And 
even when I was still watching wrestling, I wasn't watching the AWA anymore on ESPN. That was always completely skippable. You know, we only, me and Joey would maybe watch it if we were hanging out on a Saturday and we had nothing going on. There's nothing on TV. He's like, what's on? Oh, the AWA's on. You know, but that's it. And, but recently, I've become more and more fascinated with the death rattle of the AWA. You know, we saw it. it uh, you weren't there, Pete, of course, but when Kelly and I did this breakfast cereal show. Yeah, that's yeah, I opted to pass on that. Well, I, I know. It's fine. No, it, it was your loss, Pete. It was your loss, buddy. It was fascinating. But that was around this time, too. It was the same. This is the same exact time. Yeah, so I Tommy Jammer opened that one. I got enough Tommy Jammer on this show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, believe you me. And uh, <laughs> no, because he wasn't called Tommy Jammer. He had some fucking serial name. Right. It was. It's fucking terrible. It's. But it. But yeah, they are dying. Vern is doing whatever he can to get by, and as we hear on some of this commentary, including Vern Gagne himself, because here's the deal. We'll get. We'll explain it. The hard camera is somewhere backstage for this, but next to a lot of kids who are either just hanging out backstage and nobody gives a shit. Apparently they don't. And, but you, you hear or the hard camera is like right there and the kids are right there by the seats and right. And the, but, the wrestlers are visible to them. They're visible to them, but they're actually talking to them. At one point you yeah. hear Vern Gagne having a conversation. We'll get to it in the notes where he's having a conversation telling somebody it's all done. We're we're done. We're done. We lost our TV. That's it. Yeah. You know, and uh, so this is so th- I am fascinated by this about because it was once so thriving. Are you sure and, it was Vern? I thought that was Greg who talked about the TV. Maybe that was it because we do hear Greg later, but we do hear Vern as well. Vern has. Okay. Talks to well, the, we'll get uh, the to it. I'm sure you're going to cover but, those segments. But, oh, yeah. And maybe you're right. I mean, they're not even real segments, but they will become segments. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I'm not, there's not much wrestling to talk about because this is terrible. <laughs> this is a terrible, terrible show. And I thought, I was like, man, this was my my idea. I'm going to have fun with this, like the serial show. And it's getting into the beginning. And I'm like, fuck me. I'm regretting my fucking choice. And I made these guys watch this fucking show. And then I started hearing the children. And I went, nope, okay, we've got something here. So <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this. All right, man. Well, let's get into it. Uh, we'll start with you, Kelly. We get Jake the Milkman Millman <laughs> versus Todd Becker. And at this time, Jake had become kind of like a cult hero uh, because of the, the uh, what was that? Uh, team Challenge uh, Series. Team Challenge Series. So, you know, it's easy to make uh, a, a jobber kind of a star. I mean, because they always have unique looks. You're always, I mean, we've, we've seen it happen. We saw it in WWF with Barry Horowitz shocked and pinned. Uh, was it Hakushi or was it Skip? Or skip. Or it skip. skip. It was Skip, okay. And, you know, he got a little run there. The Mulkies, you know, people, jobbers always have, a, like, a unique way of getting over sometimes. And here, uh, he milk, Jake the Milkman Millman kind of well, became a cult classic for a bit. Um, you know, he, had, he looked like, a, like, you know, he looked like a typical AWA jobber with the big, big old beer gut. Um, but, you know, AWA has a history of, of treating those guys with the big beer guts, uh, uh, pretty respectfully and drew a lot of money with guys like the Crusher and, and stuff. Um, but, you know, Jake Millman is no Crusher. Uh, 
But no. there's no hey, statue man. of him anywhere, I doubt. Yes. <laughs> the, the, I got defiled. I got uh, defiled by punk teenagers. It's probably Jake Millman and then probably Jake Millman's kid. Uh, <laughs> what what you make of this thing, this match, man? Well, let's set the stage. This is St. Paul Civic Center. This is April 8th, 1990, one week after WrestleMania VI. Good uh, boy. To put Ooh, you in, wow. in context for the supercar. you put in context like that, jeez. <laughs> okay, what was the main oh, – oh, main six, that was Toronto, right? Yeah, Toronto. Okay. That was, uh, of course, Hogan and Warrior. In, in the Sky Dome. Yeah, 65,000 or whatever. <laughs> Here we have, according to Wikipedia, 2,000. So, yeah, it, it's a pretty sparsely attended St. Paul Civic Center. And this was a building that could hold near 20,000 people and, and did quite a few times in the early 80s. How many were in here? 2,000. Oof. It looked, it looked a lot. I mean, honestly, to be fair, it looked uh, like a pretty full crowd, honestly. Uh, uh, I, I, they were all on the floor. I don't think there was anybody. That's what I'm it. saying. Lana, <laughs> if we got a real camera set up, we would have seen all the empties. But they were just shooting the hard camera, so it looked full because the arena, the floor was full. Yeah, I, I, I had no idea where they were. I assumed they were in a local Legion Hall. Or <laughs> no, this had, was this was the MSG of the AWA. Essentially, okay. this is where all their biggest cards happened back in God, the that day. Makes, that makes this even more depressing. <laughs> um, we get the national anthem to start. Oh yeah, uh, right. Yeah, is that Vern's daughter? That's got to be his That's daughter. That's what I was thinking. Was it? You know, Larry the one Larry married. Yeah. Uh, Gone gone, yeah. At yeah. this point, like Vern wasn't didn't have the money to pay too many people, so it probably was his daughter. She's all over this. She's all over this show. Oh, crazy! Yeah. When they tried um, to pimp Ricky Steamboat. Oh, Hogan too. And the Hulkster. Yeah. Yes. That's, Hogan that's was the, the key one. That that and that changed wrestling history right there. Yeah, that was that, that was the real reason he left the AWA to go <laughs> go to Vince. He's like, I'm not marrying her, brother. You can have her, Larry. <laughs> Hogan talked about that once. He said she had a nice body, but she looked like Vern. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. So we get a few announcements before we start. We get the ring announcer asking the fans not to smoke in the arena proper, but you can in like the um, yeah, in the whatever in he the arena, says, but not in the seats. Kelly, he says he says there's no smoking and there's and boo and he goes, hey, <laughs> sorry, I'm just telling you. Like I'm sorry, I'm just, sorry, I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get the interesting announcement that Junkyard Dog, who apparently was booked for this show, can't make his match versus Colonel De Beers because he hurt his knee, I believe in. North Carolina, or no, Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, I'm calling bullshit on this one. I completely, <laughs> I completely, well, hold on a second. Now, I'm sure someone can figure this out. So some listener can figure this out. Junkyard Dog, 1990. Isn't he in WCW? <laughs> he would be, but actually I think at this point he wasn't. So it's plausible that he was actually booked and he just no-showed. Uh, actually, that's that's probably what happened. I don't even think we have to guess. Daddy <laughs> bringing the dog in the nineties in nineteen ninety to try to boom bust attendance. It's sad. Well, he was still uh, he was only a couple of years removed from the WWF, so he, he had value. Um, no, but come on, Kelly. Let's be well, they were right. desperate. It was the fucking. He didn't even do anything in ninety for. Uh, I mean, for, for and even no, in eighty nine, but... he didn't even help pop 
Uh, JYD and Butch Reed did nothing to help attendance. Uh, that's a super class. Yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, Vern was desperate. He would have taken anybody at this point. So, guess who his replacement is? The Clawmaster! Baron Von Rashka. <laughs> so, we'll get to that mad classic later. Wow. Okay, so uh, the curtain jerker, Jake Milliman and Todd Becker. Uh, Milliman, yeah, he has easy, slightly better looking than a jobber, I would say. I think that's why he got the push. Um, he could do both. He had a unique look. He had a unique look. He looked like a fat leprechaun. It was, and he had a weird nickname, the Milkman, and it was the end of the road, and he had been a jobber that had no fucking talent. He was better than most of the jobbers, and he had a weird look. And, you know, and people got behind him, like Pete said. So why not? Yeah, total every man in the Midwest, that sort of thing. Like, he's the milkman. He's the milkman. He's fucking moms all day long and wrestling at night. (laughs) And his opponent is Todd Becker, whose name, like when I saw his name, I was picturing someone like really low, like a Frankie Williams type Uh jobber. So he actually turned out to be better than than what I assumed because he's kind of. I don't know about that, brother. Well, as, as far as look, he's, he's muscular. He's not. Ring, he's not this fat. This guy was leaner yeah. than freaking green grass. I yeah, mean. yeah, no, he sucks. He's horrible, but yeah. he, he has an okay look. Like a, he's not. Oh no, yeah, yeah, no, he, he looks better than Frankie Williams. Yeah, yeah. Like, at the bar there. Yeah, just Todd Becker, like a name physically, like that. Yeah, gotta, physically, cosmetically, yeah, he. they he, does, he looks like a guy who, you know, might have a future. Yeah, he's, he's got yeah, long blonde hair, kind of muscular. Yeah, you know, okay looking. Surfer look, you know. Yeah, surfer. He wasn't too old. Yeah, but the name Todd Becker sounds like a guy who does your taxes. Yeah, it's, it's a horrible name. And he was a jobber, of course. He was a jobber in the WWF in 1989, in fact. I, I'm just looking at these results wow. right now. Uh, looks like he was a local guy because he was on shows in Wisconsin, Indiana, you know, in the area around uh, Minnesota. So, and then he was pretty much a jobber for the, you know, the first half of the 90s and then vanished. So here we go. Um, they set a record for fastest boring chant to start a match, I believe. <laughs> where it was like one second. <laughs> Literally, the bell rang and you heard boring. They hadn't even locked up. Man, that was cold-blooded. I, bl- uh, I blame I blame the, uh, the national anthem on that. <laughs> Well, anyway, Donnie, Donnie, Donnie is in prison, you know, right. Uh, Thankfully, this was short, though. I was expecting like a 15 minute, you know, dull as fuck match. And, you know, this wasn't much. I've come to the conclusion, Kelly. I think that was a WWE trope. Yeah, well, that's what I've seen so many of those MSG shows. And I've seen MSG shows that were worse than this card, for sure. Because the Crockett one seemed like they do a nice little six or seven. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say work rate match, but compared to like the garden where there's like a lot of headlocks and stuff, uh, 20 minute draws that go yeah, nowhere. Yeah, the, these, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's the WWF version of double wrestling. count outs. Yeah, it's it's this this card, say what you will about it, it goes by pretty fast. Um, it does, it's it's, it's only a, what, <laughs> an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. It's it's pretty short. So as bad as it and is, and they do, and they I mean, of course, they edit it out, but they do give us two. Uh, they do two uh, 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 intervals, two. Uh, yeah, intermissions. Uh, yeah. Yeah, one was when they put up the cage, and then one right. Earlier. Yeah. So this was just a, a match. There was nothing bad about it, really. It was short, um, and Milliman won with a sunset flip. 
it was well, it was sloppy, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't too long to to make it like oh god, I, I can't believe I'm watching this sort of thing. It was it was fine, whatever. Well, I give it a quarter star. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> I thought Becky Becker came across really green. I thought the timing was off throughout the match. Yeah, but you know what? Mill Millman is a solid underneath <laughs> baby face. Uh, and. But yeah, but the match sucked. What about yeah. you, John? It's all right. I'm like, oh, this fucking stinks. Suddenly, then suddenly, it sounds like someone arrived on a motorcycle backstage. I was like, oh, fucking motorcycle. And here's the thing. Here's here's another reason why uh, Jake Milliman is uh, opening all these shows uh, because. I, I bet you a Buck Zumhoff was currently serving time for something. <laughs> and they, and that spot Minor needed to be filled in. Uh, well, just to plug it again, the, the podcast Crime and Sports has one about Buck Zumhoff that you, you that you got to listen to, but you'll make your stomach queasy. Um, yeah, this was terrible. Fuck, uh, it was awful. At this point, I was questioning my, my choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, we go to match number two. And this was my second favorite match of the show. Oh. Um, I'm a mark for the Texas <laughs> Let me let me be honest with you. I've always loved that gimmick. I like the fact I've always been into the into the cowboy thing and the and the, and the outlaw with the big black hooded mask that also doubles kind of like a, the executioner type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I always thought it could have been a gimmick where you could really get some heat on you guys in the right situation. Obviously not in the dying days of 1998 WA. Uh, and they face DJ Peterson, who we, we see everywhere, uh, from world class to Kansas City to uh, All the dying and, territories. Yeah, <laughs> every dying place he, he, he pops up. Yeah, he's he like, has a good body, and they can try to maybe paint him as a star, but, man, bottom line is charisma shines downward. And so he's, he's like, and he's with Brad Reagan, so that's like the epitome of the black hole charisma tag team here. Um, what did you think of the match, Kelly? Well, Johnny, I think you have. He's like, okay, you guys don't know all about Crisis on Infinite Earths. He's the pariah of the territory system. <laughs> he, he arrives there just to say, oh, the, the anti-monitor's coming. I can't do nothing about it. <laughs> Vince McMahon is the anti-monitor, and here I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect <laughs> oh, that might God. be honestly Johnny that might be my favorite bit you've ever done on these thank you oh thank you thank you <laughs> oh shit yeah well I'm like I'm with you Pete I love like the old school mass tag team but it, it's totally straight out of the 70s um yeah. you know the AWA was so far from the cutting edge at this point uh the Texas hangman killer and psycho were their names? <laughs> that, was that their names? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's something that's got a Did bit they... of an edge to it. Is though, right? What's that? What's that? The guys is right. Uh, oh, one of them is uh, what's his face? Bull. Um, Bull Peng. Yeah. 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 The other one is pretty much anonymous. Uh, yeah, I forget guy. his name. Yeah, but I know I'm not sure which is which. Um, but yes, one of them is Bullpain, and they were kind of the B heel tag team in the AWA in 1990. And uh, yeah, Rangans and DJ Peterson. Well, yeah, it is, I don't know. This was 
this was okay. Um, this is where I made the note that you can hear random people talking in the background, but I didn't oh, make yes. any specific notes. I'm sure Johnny has that covered. It's, um, it's the joint. It's, it's the side effect of watching it with earbuds in. <laughs> yeah, DJ's pretty green, um, but he's typical of, of like a million guys at this time. Super muscular. You know, that they were trying to capitalize on all the big guys from the WWF. And, and guys like Sting and Lex Luger and that had been popular, super popular at the time. But, yeah, he's he's pretty green here. Uh, Rangans does the bulk of the work, and I'm no big fan of Brad Rangans. <laughs> and their team is a throwback to the 70s, too. It's it's the old man, young man, baby yes. face team, right? So this uh-huh. is a total match out of time. Oh, it's right total here. burn. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. it's so dated. Um you I don't I understand d- what rock you, you don't think you think they'll both think it's rocking chair. <laughs> yeah. I, just, is, I, yeah. I, I don't think they were choosing to go with the old man, uh, young man, Miyagi and Daniel thing here. They didn't have anyone else. They just, they just, well, no, I mean, Peterson <laughs> had to be with a veteran. Like he couldn't do much on his own. I don't think at this point. I uh, where he tagged a lot with the trooper. Uh-huh. Like you're all, they were like an interchangeable team. There's DJ Peterson. Right. Paul Diamond and the Trooper, yeah. and they'd all like yeah. morph yeah. into tag, different tag teams. Yeah, right yeah, they had all these young guys that exactly they were all kind of the same. The same. Exactly, yeah. they're all exactly the same. Um, yeah, House of Fire with Peterson, flashy moves, and then oh, I do have the the one note. One kid says. Hey, you fat tub of shit. I don't know who hey, you're hey. talking to. <laughs> Sorry probably... if I stole your line, Johnny. You probably have No, no, there's there's and... plenty more. There's plenty more. I, I, I figured he saw cocaine because these kids are brutal. You're right. That makes sense. Uh, so the hangman win with uh, the old uh, mask switcheroo spot where one guy uh, switches out on the other and the referee doesn't notice. Yeah, it, it is fine again. Better than the opener, of course. Uh, hey, maybe, you know, maybe the second best match. Yeah, that, yeah, that's, I thought that's so I gave it two and a half stars. Oh, um, wow. By far, I thought it because they stuck to a solid Southern tag formula. Um, I, I like uh, I like the Hangman stalling early on, and and uh, you know, the uh, the crowd early on kind of uh, kind of gets on them, and they and I like the Hangman using the stall tactics, actually controlling the pace of the match. Um, faces are, are are pretty over here and have a solid shine um, with some uh, with some slams and arm work. Uh, double team sets up the heat on Reagan, so I like that. Um, and it's just you know they're just using you know hang, hangmen are just using clubbering moves, kicks, punches. You know nothing, definitely not recreating the wheel here, but they did use the formula, stick to it. I thought the there was a nice hope spot with a small package early on. Um, you know, and you know, then they get the the blind tag leads to the finish. Um, it's odd. You, clearly, they're not building to anything here. Cause you'd think with heel tag team champions, they have tried to build uh, another babyface team underneath to get ready for them, but they put a heel team over. So, um, <laughs> so they're on a big show. So there you go with the the booking for the future. Oh, they, uh, they knew they yeah, were dead. But, I, you know, it wasn't anything great in the match, but it was good, solid uh, work in the crowd. Kind of like a, a show that would be on a good house show type of match. Two and a half stars, second best match on the show. 
Uh, they stuck to the, uh, the tag formula, and that's the thing. It's so hard to fuck up the Southern tag, and they they did it good enough here, and it it worked for me for the most part. What about you, John? So the kids uh, first, they apparently see Colonel Devere's because you start they you start yelling, Colonel sucks. Colonel stinks. You suck, Colonel. You stink. And then the next thing you hear during this match, um, and maybe it was Greg. You know, t- t- certainly could have been too. I mean, they do sound alike. But you just hear he goes, "Yeah, they sold the station. We're trying to find another station, but now I think it's too late." <laughs> Someone said that right by that camera. <laughs> they knew this is it. It's over. This is fascinating. Yeah, that's so awesome that they got that on. This really is. It's fascinating. Um, I'm looking it up, and here's the thing. So the hangman cheat to win? Well, fuck it. The baby faces were cheating first to this. I kept looking it up, and they're doing the old baby face. You know, we do fake the tag thing to get the crowd to be like, oh, no, because it's okay with the baby faces cheat thing. So <laughs> bite you on the ass. And – there's a lot of so so far in this show. There'd been a lot of elbow drops, just lots <laughs> and lots, and lots of elbow drops. And I'm you know, really at least I'll take the elbow drops between a bazillion cutters and Canadian. Oh, me, okay. <laughs> oh no! All right, all right, all right. I can't, but still, Jesus Christ, there's a lot. Doing too much of anything is too much. But yeah, anyway, at least an elbow drop is a basic maneuver. Uh, uh, Kicking out of all those other things is fucking... I'm just so far, just, I'm not even talking about this match. I'm talking about Jake Milliman. That, there's all elbow drops. In this well, no offense. They had, they had, we had the, like, the most limited roster here. Of course, of course. Uh, they sure in hell ain't going to be doing a hell of a lot. So, so then this is fascinating to me because the kids start yelling, Slick! Slick! Yeah. Now, What's that about? Well, I, apparently they saw a black guy and just thought it was slick. <laughs> God. But then they say, hey, can we have your autograph? I got a pen. Mm-hmm. And you hear a guy go, yeah, yeah, sure. And then they say, hey, can you get that guy's too? He's like, yeah. And I'm not kidding. It sounded like slick. He has a very distinctive voice. I was like, shit, that sounds like slick. Was... He wasn't there in the AWA at no. this time, no. No, but maybe he was angling for some kind of deal I, with Vern. Well, well, no, well, was end, his end was coming up at the, around this point, wasn't it? In uh, WWF, I think he... his boss, big boss man run was eighty nine ish. Ninety was the Twin Towers, and that was kind of blowing up, right? <sighs> I'm why would sure, he still had somebody. He was still managing. Didn't he manage Warlord, like, in 1991, well, I, I think? Yeah, why, why would he be wrangling yeah, to a, a promotion that's going to be dead in a week? I, I don't know. Trying to sad. con Vernon to some sort of sweet deal. I, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> well, he, he was always a terrible businessman. Or um, he just happened to be in town and was visiting that's uh, what I was thinking, some friends, wrestlers backstage. Maybe. That could be, because... I mean, the guy said, and I was like, the first thing I thought was these kids are making a mistake and that's embarrassing. And I heard the voice clearly. I'm like, that sounds just like Slick. You know, it took me by surprise. And then they see the colonel again and he, they're, hey, colonel sucks, go home. And then all of a sudden, like you said, Kelly, one of the older kid goes, 
hey, you fat tub of shit. And the little kid goes, because <laughs> there's, there's a teenage kid and maybe his little brother or something. Yeah. And uh, it's hilarious because the teenager is being a teenager. The little kid's acting like a little kid, but laughing at every like mean thing the teenager says. <laughs> maybe they, maybe the kids thought it was slick and it was really Derek Dukes. Oh, well, I'd like to. Well, the Derek Duke, the, the Derek Dukes was didn't, didn't say, "Hey, you little honkies, I'm Derek Dukes. I'm not slick. Do I look like fucking slick? <laughs> Jesus Christ." Look at me. I'm very I mean, terrible. I mean, I mean, I, I, this whole entire slick uh, scenario you're coming up with, I find is almost impossible in my mind. Yeah. No, just saying. Uh, they said, hey, slick. And a guy came over and said, hey, how you doing? And it sounded just like slick. Who's going to say they were slick if they weren't slick? That's crazy. <laughs> okay. Oh, boy. All right. Um, <laughs> everything you find in the vaults of the AWA. Uh, <laughs> it's the greatest thing. This, at this point, I went, I think this is going to be my favorite thing I've, I've watched in a long time. So we'll go, eventually we'll get like some secret tapings of Vince negotiating with promoters. He had him on tape the whole entire time. It was the hard camera. Yeah. Howard, Howard Finkel left a hard camera on at a house show that Vince was at. And there's all kinds of Grant and Raven. It's going to accidentally get on the network. Mel Phillips, <laughs> Mel Phillips secret tapes hit the fucking oh, network. Yeah. No, 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 no. Just, just a bunch of uh, gorilla positions should have gone, hey, Mel, go fuck yourself. Just them mean to Mel Phillips for three straight hours. N words flying all over the place. All over. Uh, and next up, we got Colonel De Beers versus Baron Von Raschke. Poor De Beers. De Beers is a good worker. Ed Wiskowski's always been a good worker, good bumper. I thought he could have, you know, dragged something out of the dog at this point. Could have bumped well for him. <laughs> well, what do you make of this one, man? Baron Von Rasky, for all you say about him, he's no JYD. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he's a Nazi. <laughs> I know, yeah. You'd think they would have been friends and, and a team, really. It, it makes no yeah. sense. Um, I can only imagine the promos De Beers maybe cut on JYD leading up to this uh, show where he no showed. Maybe they're out there somewhere. Anyway, Ooh, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Somebody better find those. <laughs> well, you could have. I'm sure there was something, probably. Yeah, uh, maybe they're maybe they're in the secret slick files. The secret slick files. So the match, well, the Baron was 49 years old. I, I wrote down 49. Wait a minute. That was a 49-year-old man? Yeah. Holy shit. Beers must be, what, 42, huh? 40? Uh, yeah, he wasn't young. But Ooh, he no, was, he wasn't young. But he but wasn't he looked, uh, as old as the Baron, that's for no, sure. No, no. Who really 40. was back then? Dude, as a joke, as a joke, I wrote down Baron looks like he's seventy-two years old, and I assumed he was probably sixty-one here. Oh, Jesus! I don't, no, he, even, I mean, I don't even think the Baron looked young when he was young. I mean, he's always looked old to me. Right, with the shaved head, and yeah. he's been around a long time. I figured he's, you know, he's got to be in his fucking late fifties at least, forty-two, and he looks like he's in his fucking seventies here. He's just b- b- broken down. <laughs> well, he started working the Baron gimmick in the AWA in 1967. Yeah. Put it into perspective. So 23 years before this. That's um, when he got heat. 
he had a run in the WWF as a manager of the Powers of Pain. Yep. Two years before this. So that's that when he was like, me. Don, he that couldn't even... The, this was before. <laughs> that's hilarious when you think about it. And I didn't ever even think about it, but you're freaking right. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> so in the WWF, he was too old to be a wrestler. <laughs> but I mean, here, yeah, to be fair, it's a last second, I'm sure, um, addition or whatever. Um, but yeah... I mean, considering Rashki's age, this wasn't, like, the worst match of all time. <laughs> it was just a bunch of Gaga for, what, five minutes? It was really short, too. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I thought for me the highlight of the match was the uh, the suitcase uh, block with the claw. It was fine. Right. Yeah, that was okay. okay. So, yeah, she got an LKC is in De Beers' corner, and uh, that's how it ends. Um the Baron wins by count out. They both spill outside. So, yeah, Baron goes over in this by count out, of course. Um, and I don't know if you guys noticed this, but after the match was over, for about two or three seconds, they played Another One Bites the Dust. I didn't hear that. <laughs> really? Holy <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> That's not, was so awesome. So he, they, they kept JYD's music. Even though he wasn't there. No, the person in that charge of it, the person in charge of it had where he's supposed to fucking hit, hit that fucking music. <laughs> he's like, okay, this is where I hit this, right? And Vern going, Jesus Christ, everything's, oh, we're done. You know what, now I think about it, JYD, maybe Slick her JYD was bo- booked and came by to hook up on eight ball with him. Now, see, that's possible. <laughs> maybe they were bringing in slick or maybe JYD owed slick money and that's why he should uh, yeah that's probably there was going to be a shakedown that's why JYD uh, skipped town or didn't make it yeah. or maybe or, or maybe uh, they he put Vern booked <laughs> slick to be JYD's manager because if, if Colonel DeVere is calling one African-American racial slurs his money, calling two of them, that's even more money. And a slick baby face turn, man. That's rough money. He had a baby face turn when he made, he became Reverend Slick and he managed Kamala. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. A couple years. That's how, how memorable that was. I didn't even remember. It was, yeah, it didn't last too long. Um yeah, so this match is hilarious. When the another one bites the dust briefly played, I just couldn't stop laughing. That was so hilarious. Yeah, this one reached three-fourths of a star for me. Wow. Um, what about you, John? What are you feeling? Well, what, get quotes here? Yeah, well, the kids are into the wrestling, which has been making this fun. <laughs> Excuse me. Because Colonel comes out and one the little kid and this for a little kid this is a great line. He goes, "Hey Colonel, go step on a landmine." <laughs> That's good. And, and Adon O'Casey though he doesn't come out with De Beers. He saunters out like two minutes into the match, like he was. Hey, I was taking a shit. Sorry. And just saunters down <laughs> as the match is going on with his briefcase. Which I wrote that down too. I was like, I love blocking the claw with a briefcase. That was cool. That was like, that, that was fun. And there's more briefcase shenanigans to come, which are my favorite part of this. The briefcase has been my is my favorite. By the way, end of the night, my favorite worker, the briefcase. Uh, this entire show, <laughs> he's up there. My whole the whole show, and so 
apparently Greg Gagne is backstage as yes, uh, or he uh, established, but probably definitely now because one of the kids sees Greg Gagne and goes, Hey, Greg Gagne, go out there and beat them up. <laughs> <laughs> and the kids are yelling for the claw too. They're like, they, these kids are yelling claw, claw, claw. So that's over. And, uh, I mean, the match was fucking dog shit. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. But, you know, that briefcase bit saved it for me. And so did these kids having a great time watching this. Yeah, that's why I enjoyed it better than the opener was because of the briefcase. Yeah. Next up, we get the legendary Teller, Telly Blanchard versus Tommy Jammer. I'm going to cover this one first because I want to kind of spread out on a talking point. Telly does works his ass off here, does all his tricks, does everything to either the crowd doesn't know him from the South, doesn't know him from Crockett, either that or Tommy Jammer is just the world's worst baby face in the history of bear wrestling. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Sir, you won a prize. It's number two because I this was released. Someone, it might have been Matt D, said, hey. You know, it's going to be interesting to see if, like, Tully Blanchard could probably get something out of Tommy Jammer. Nope. No. <laughs> nope, not at all. Tully, I mean, Tully, does, so Tully is just Tully in this. He's in full stooge mode, and the crowd is not reacting to Tully's shtick at all. Tully's doing this with Dusty Rhodes or Ronnie Garvin or Tim Horner. It would keep going, getting over like Bob Bangers and Crockett. Tully could, Tully could have been doing this with Jake the Milkman Milliman yeah. here, and it would have gotten over. Tommy yeah. Terror is the worst. He really was. And then you just, Tully's here. I mean, you just, you know, to me, watching it, I want to punch him in the face. And, 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 and to Tully, I mean, it's probably, I think Tully and Gino are the best ever in this type of heel role, and he's getting nothing. Nothing out of Jammer. Crowd's not reacting to him as a big star. And Jammer, does he works the arm, but it's so basic. Jammer is way, way, way bland, and it's the match <laughs> went too long because of that. So, Johnny, you think it's because of Jammer. Kelly, you think it's because of Jammer, right? Yeah, because here, because the, here's the thing. They know, they, they know who Tully Blanchard is. It's not, you know, because he'd already here's been the in the WWF. He's coming off a WWF run. Yeah, he's a WWF. They knew who Tully Blanchard was and didn't fucking matter because Tommy Jammer stinks. It was the most depressing thing I've ever seen. Cause, I felt so you know, bad. I've never for- seen Tully when they give him. 15 minutes have a bad match, and this match sucked. Yeah. I give it a star, and it's all because of Tully. Tully got, Tully made it a three-star match. Jammer made it, like, negative six, negative <sighs> five, negative four. It was terrible. So we get a star out of this thing. What uh, what you make of everything? And, but we're going to definitely blame Tommy freaking Jammer, who, my God, he, he, he was like Johnny <laughs> Gunn, but worse. I mean, he had a nice body, good look. But God, no freaking charisma whatsoever. Black hole of it. Yeah, this was pretty disappointing because this was actually, I think, the match I was looking most forward to. Just that because most match I was looking forward to. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd seen at least the end or the last five minutes of Larry Z and Saito before, so I was 
Well, really I was going to refer most to the cage. Oh, you were looking for me the cage. See, well, the cage I wasn't too sure about with uh, the babyface team involved. But anyway, uh, seeing Tully here is is totally rare because he had, well, he'd uh, they basically quit him and Arn had quit the WWF right because they were yeah he'd been blackballed at this point. Yeah, he, they were going to go back to the to back to Crockett or back to WCW and reform the original Four Horsemen. That was the plan. But they, uh, Tully got busted for coke just before he left the WWF. And I think that had got out into the press somewhat. Or yeah, WCW didn't happening. really want to touch it's, him until the heat died down. Tully were going to come into Crockett or come into the WCW yeah. on a huge deal. And the yeah. deal got cut like in half because of... And, and one, well, one, Tully's deal got pulled and Arn's deal got cut in half because of it. And no, and I think they offered Tully like the mo- le- le- the least they could offer a full timer, which was like one hundred and fifty six thousand a year, which of course is great money to anybody. But for a star wrestler, that was a slap in the face. But he had no leverage; he had nowhere to go, so they had yes. him over a barrel. Uh, he couldn't go back to the WWF, and now here he is, of course, in the AWA. He was probably getting paid fucking um, hot dogs, hot dogs, hot dogs, and, popcorn, and, and pop. <laughs> I mean, Donna, Ganya. I, so, yeah, he had wrestled. I looked this up because I was wondering if he'd actually wrestled in between WWF and here. And he'd only had one match, and it was just a week or so before, March 31st in Philly for the old TWA promotion that preceded ECW. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He spent some time there. Yeah, he wrestled Bam Bam Bigelow. At the Spring Spectacular, March 31st, 1990. You, you, you know, I'm just going out on a limb. I bet you that was better than this one. Oh, <laughs> have to have been a million times better. Hope so. <laughs> Fuck. And so he has a manager here. Yes. Christopher Love, who I yes. don't know much about. Johnny, We're- do you have not, not at all, because I wrote down, like, who the fuck is this? Because we didn't know. I, no. It, it, because the, the promo outtakes at the end answer a lot yep. of questions exactly. that I wrote down. Like, yeah. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? And who the fuck <laughs> is this guy? And, uh, <laughs> and yes, he's Christopher Love, who I've heard of, who's definitely playing up the, you know, hey, you can say this now because it's been taken back, but with the fans are going, hey, you queer, you know, kind of thing. Like, he's kind of doing the prissy. Percy mm-hmm. Pringle, Percy yeah. Pringle type and of Cornette fucking. Esque, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, and, and well, Cornette, Cornette, never, Cornette never played really played that much into like he's gay. Well, this Bill Watts played it up. Yeah, well, they called him a sissy and all that. That kind but of. But Cornette never did the but, mannerisms. Yeah. He never. Yeah, Cornette didn't do. Yes, yeah, exactly. He didn't do the. Oh my! Like Percy Pringle did. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, so yeah, and so of course he Tully, Tully Blanchard. He needs a manager. He got to have a manager for Tully Blanchard. So it's this fucking fucking awful piece. Of shit. I think I, I <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Wait a minute. Hold. I I just realized this. This motherfucker. In Jericho's first book, there's a story about him, uh, and a few guys taking a trip to like Denver or some shit and have it get involved with some creepy weird promoter. Oh, yeah. His name was Christopher right. fucking love. His name really? was Christopher yeah. love. I'm pretty fucking sure. Yeah. It was uh, a big S&M gay type of thing. Right? No, 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 no. They, they promoted a card. They, they, they said, Hey, pick us up some, 
pick us up some weed and they oh, accidentally yeah, yeah, bought yeah, crack yeah. and didn't know what yeah, to do with yeah, it. Yeah. And they get there and he's like, Ooh, I like your hair. And he's like, don't touch my fucking hair, dude. And, uh, he's like, Ooh, don't. and, uh, a stoned wrestler was trying to put together a baby crib and that stone wrestler went, <laughs> that stone wrestler went on to be like snot Dudley or some shit like that and it, and there was like they were like fucking with each other like the guy I, I took, uh, drank his drink and he's like oh you got got, got again with the penis colada you know he, he put his dick in a guy's <laughs> neck, right that's you know, yeah it was that whole fucking thing oh, that was Christopher yeah. I'm pretty sure if it's not this Christopher love then I apologize like he'd fucking know but that did that it fits <laughs> all of a sudden shit fucking yeah the name is familiar for sure um it just so occurred to me back to Tully's history after this match he wrestles the next month in the same building we talked about that card and then he wrestles uh, for the TWA in June. And then it looks like he's totally done as a wrestler until Slambury 94 against Terry wow. Funk in uh, Philly at the Civic Center, right? Um, I, I don't know what he was doing in those four years. Um, doesn't he become like an ordained minister at yes, one point? Yes, eventually. Yeah. eventually. Yeah. That maybe is even later, right? I've seen, I have seen footage of him in jail surrounded by a bunch of cons preaching to them in his red fucking Tully Blanchard robe. <laughs> really? Oh, yep. He doesn't do the whole sermon in it, but, <laughs> but he like introduced like I used to look like this, you know, da da da, and then going into his spiel. But he he look a lot of these guys who get into preaching are get into it for the hucksterism of it. But his specialty specialty is prison ministry. So I think you know it's legit. That sounds like a legit thing to do. So good for him. Mm. Another interesting thing is uh, Joe Blanchard, his father, was the on-air president of the AWA. That's that right. Time. That was crazy. Yeah, that's that's kind of a, that's interesting. Maybe that's one of it was in Tully's contract. Yeah, yeah, I'll appear here. Uh, got something for my old man. What? Yeah, something for something for Joe. Yeah, he's the president now. Okay, good. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, the real connection really was that uh, Joe Blanchard would use uh, would book with the AWA champion in Southwest <laughs> back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Well, not even just that back. I mean, up to like '84 or whatever. I mean, so. Yeah. So anyway, the match. Well, yeah, Jammer stinks. Um, this was like the worst Bob Backlund match of all time, basically because it was Jammer. Totally in control for almost the, the whole match. All the whole thing. Like what? Yeah, you know, with the most pedestrian arm bars. Yeah, arm bars. It was actually uh, when the boring chance broke out. I, I just was like, oh my god, not for a Tully match. That's yeah. just, that's just it. You know what? I, you know what? I, crime. I, you mentioned that. I was like, you know what? I've never heard boring chance during a fucking Tully Blanchard match. Holy <laughs> shit. And then, yeah. and then Jammer would break the hold and go right back to it. Ugh. Yeah, and you'd think Tully was taking control, but then it, would, it was, yeah, exactly like a backline match. Back, and then Jammer would get back on top. I think uh, at the 10-minute marker, Tully knew this was fucking toast and just told him to put on the hammer lock. Yeah. Because <laughs> we went, yeah, it was about 12 minutes when Tully finally got some heat. and um, But then it ended really quick. After that, oh yeah, because yeah, he won with the Tully won with the old 
uh, manager grabs the foot of the baby face and holds it down cheap and that um, yes, I, you can see a million miles away in this match. Because Tully fucking Blanchard needs that asshole's help to beat Tommy Jammer. Yeah. I wonder if the fucking crowd just sitting there going, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> shit. Yeah. But then he got some, he, he got his heat back, yeah, I guess. Yeah, back. Oh, well, he won crowd... the match, but then he beat the crap out of Jammer with a chair. Yeah, and then, yeah, and, and, and the I aisle. Just, the crowd wasn't booing. <laughs> yeah, no. no. No, I mean, that when Tully came down to the ring, there was a buzz, you know, there was something. I mean, you know, Tully was a name, but yeah, this. It wasn't Tully, heat, it all, but yeah. it was just, I mean. It was, it was, yeah, but it what about you, John? Yeah. Where are you falling on this sucker? Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're talking about this. So, or, or this. so, during this, there is a lot of commotion going on backstage. It is loud. It sounds like there's shit being moved around and clanging, this, that, and the other. And I figured that, like, Vern is literally packing everything up as the show <laughs> is going on. He's like, this is fucked. It's lit. Fuck it. It's fucking over. Pack it all the fuck up. <laughs> and, and then it gets down. That settles down. And then the greatest line of this whole show happens. Greg Gagne walks out apparently with this little kid sees him. This is after all of that commotion, by the way. And this kid says, Hey, Greg Gagne, you're awesome. And Greg Gagne replies, Yeah, I'm lost too. Yeah. <laughs> think, what the fuck was that all about? He was lost in a. Totally empty St. Paul Civic Center. He's no idea. We're, he's no, been in there a hundred times. Vern just packed everything up and he's looking. Where the fuck everybody go? He's, he's just wandering around lost backstage. No idea where he is. Oh, God. <laughs> that, I looked down and I was like, have I been watching this terrible fucking match for 15 minutes? What the fuck is wrong with me? And then Tully beats the shit out of him in the dark, but still he was beating the shit out of him. And I was like, okay. That's something. And then we get the other fan who, uh, uh, or fans who the camera picks up every now and then. And they're more of the dark side of the professional wrestling fandom audience. Not the fun kids. You know, yeah. <laughs> sure, they fat shamed a guy. You know, but hey, come on. This guy sees Christopher Love and he yells, and I'm not going to say it, but. It's the it's, it's the gay slur that begins with F. He's like, you. He has a southern accent in Minnesota. It's in. Did he fly in for this to be a fucking racist piece of shit and homophobe? He is. You fat F. Go get yourself a boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, what, what's Christopher Lusso say? Thank you. I will. <laughs> That's my uh, that's my plan for later. <laughs> I'm gonna have me a penis colada. <laughs> oh my god! And then I hear her Donna announcing, and she oh, this must be the Flair Pillman thing yeah, that yeah. I thought was bullshit because <laughs> I heard her. All I could make out was her saying something about Rick fucking Flair is going to be Minnesota's own Rick Flair. Yeah. Oh, she said Minnesota's own Rick Flair. Yeah. Show. Oh yeah. And I went, 
bullshit. This this is a dying promotion selling bullshit. But that actually happened. Yep. yep. It happened May fifth. That's, that's yeah, so, all right. Later. You know what? That's all right. That is that is good on Ric Flair because that's did a, they also and, have the return cage man or the six man. Yes. Well, we'll get into that later. But um, they also had um, Nikita Koloff coming in to challenge Larry Zbysko for the. That's NWA right. Title. Yeah, I remember. I remember the promotion of this. It's called Twin Wars or something. Twin, yeah, Twin Wars. Yeah. Twin Wars. Okay. Um, there was a deal made between WCW and AWA where they would get Flair and Pillman, and WCW would get the Destruction Crew for a couple months. Working mm-hmm. and the, the Minnesota crew worked under the hoods oh, of the wrecking yeah Minnesota crew. Wrecking Crew too yeah well, the Steiners this, yeah yeah okay. Steiners yeah well not to go off on too much of a tangent but this re- reminds me of something there were rumors and I, I read this interview with Larry Zbysko where he talked about it too but he smokes a lot of weed so who fucking knows um, that there was a kind of plan to try to do an AWA invasion of WCW. You know, uh, not to save the promotion or anything, just sort of it, <laughs> have that happen, you know, and it it, 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 it didn't work out. Uh, but I've read that story before. So well, maybe it's, it's, uh, Larry's first uh, television match on WCW TV was with Sting. And they yeah, announced Sting pins him. Yeah, but they announced yeah. Larry as the, the last reigning AWA champion. Uh, he acknowledged yeah. its history. And at this time, I believe, I'm not mistaken, maybe it was later, but, like, Greg Gagne joins the uh, yep. Poking City. Right, oh, yeah, right. he was with them all through the Nitro years. He was okay, so that's the just the Greg Gagne got in there and goes, I've got an idea. We're going to do an invasion angle from another company, and it'll be the AWA, and Larry Zbysko will be the big heel, and the WCW was like, invasion angle? Fuck you, that'll never fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> they had the sense to stop. Well, they were like, someone's, maybe Eric Bischoff might have been around and, and went, invasion angle. Let me put that in my back pocket. And the way the match was worked was there's actually a pretty fun brawl, but it it came across more as like these guys have something personal. And it was like, you know, the franchise of Sting of the WCW versus the oh. face of, they kind of presented it like that in a way. Cool. I've never seen that. I haven't got a. Yeah, so that's only that's one about eight minutes. It's super fun. But, so that's basically that's that's the the WCW booking committee going. Let me tell you what I think about your invasion idea. Yeah. Uh, Sting's gonna beat him in eight minutes. We'll say, yep, yeah, he was the last AW champion. Sting just beat him in eight fucking minutes, clean in the middle of the fucking ring. Yeah, and then much later go. he joins the Dangerous Alliance. Yep. Um, right. Then this leads us into Nord the Barbarian versus Kokina in a lumberjack match. Clearly, Kokina was awesome. A much better star as Yokozuna. Better gimmick. Yes. Nord here actually gets a pretty good reaction. Actually, probably the biggest babyface reaction. Mm-hmm. He's a, uh, yes, a babyface. They, they love giant men wearing dead foxes on their heads. Nord I don't know why. They could have been if Vern wasn't so stuck up in the way his. I wanted somebody with an amateur background. I think Nord easily could have been a champion in the AWA. Yeah. Thoughts? At this point, sure. He was yeah. kind of flaky, though, right? He was always leaving and coming yeah. back. And oh, yeah. 
But yeah, but he was pretty loyal to the AWA. It felt like. Yeah, because uh, that might burn that's bridges everywhere ship. else too. Yeah. And he's the guy we have on tape who actually started had always had charisma, but was fucking dog shit in mid south and worked his way up to being a pretty damn good worker. Yeah. Um, he's he, at this point he's in a tag team with Scott Flash Norton as the lumberjacks. Yeah, the lumberjacks. <laughs> yeah. What a shitty. What I mean these these guys are some. We have a destruction crew, which is, a, which is basically a uh, construction crew. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll get to that. That's uh, yeah. I, love <laughs> okay, I, I love the destruction crew in the ring, but we'll get to the fucking outfits. Yeah. Uh, okay. Why do you talk about this match there, um, uh, Kelly? Yeah. So it's a lumberjack match. Who would have thunk it? With yeah. uh, Nord the Barbarian slash lumberjack. Uh Kokina Maximus, the future Yokozuna, he had been he'd been pushed pretty hard. He ended yeah. Greg Gagne's career. In a oh, match. he did. Yep, it was what? the the finals of the tag team tournament where the Destruction Crew won the belts. It was the uh, Destruction Crew against Gagne and um, Paul Diamond in the finals. Hey, and, you know what, Kelly? You know what, Kelly? Here's the thing, real quick. Uh, the last uh, Pritchard show they did Yokozuna. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and, and they, they talked a little bit about Coquina. And I'm like, hey, cool, Coquina. So here's the fucking thing. You know what they didn't mention on that show? They didn't fucking mention that he ended Greg Gagne's career. That's the deep dives you get on World Cast, motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, that's true. They totally, because neither of them knew anything about the AWA, so they skimmed right past it. But. Yeah, it was it during the match. Ganya's outside. Kokina comes down, splashes him on the leg, and that was the storyline reason for Greg never wrestling again. So yeah, Kokina was pushed hard, and this was kind of a cool match because you know it's nothing special in the ring, but it's Kokina's babyface turn at the yeah. end that the crowd you know popped for. It was cool, and Kokina Yoko was when he was. Young and and Pritchard and Conrad talked about this how he was you know really good especially Pritchard of course he was a really good worker, athletic and then the weight just got way out of control. Here he's just he's big but he's he's nowhere near as big as he'd even be as as the beginning of Yokozuna in the WWF a couple of years later, and and then so we also have uh, Sheikh now and Al Casey as Kokina's manager with his mm-hmm. with the briefcase the MVP yes. of the show. And uh, so the the match ends with a big uh, schmoz, and it's revealed that the briefcase contains just a bunch of ripped up paper. Yes. And it was supposed to contain the bounty. The money. Uh, the bounty, yes. yeah, but uh, like a bounty that uh, Casey had put on Nord, was it? I guess it was. Somebody. Somebody, but it, then it's shown <laughs> that there was no money to begin with. It was just a bunch of paper. It was a scam. It was a hoax. He was Big, lying. Yeah. He, he was he was lying to Coquina about money. And I say it, 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 we found it later. It was shards of paper, but it was shards of paper cut to look like doll. There were there were rectangles. Yeah. So I yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought I go. Here's the thing. They had to cut up shards of paper and make them rectangles. I thought they went and bought like play money. You know, at that toy store. Like. 
you know, yeah, it's play money. You know, no, we can't Monopoly afford money if you, act, if you will. Yeah, but, but you can buy the ones that are like either there's monopoly right. or you can buy the ones yeah, that are like buy, yeah, green ones with like the, the yeah, you would if you look yeah. close, you know when in the right not market. legal tender. Yes, they're, yeah. they're cut they're comically large. And then I realized Vern's like, I'm not spending fucking nineteen ninety nine on fucking <laughs> Just cut, up some cut up the newspaper. <laughs> cut up, just cut up the fucking evening news, motherfucker. <laughs> As Vern is stuffing the arena's toilet paper into his bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. So afterwards, Coquina or Casey uh, gets on him for losing, and, and Coquina turns on him. And there we go. We got Coquina as a babyface. I don't know where this leads. I don't think it's the WWF is where. Yeah, it's... yeah. I don't think Coquina stayed to the very, very end. At least to making money. Yeah. yeah, this may have been the end of Coquina, even in the end. Actually, this sure. is ninety. This is ninety, right? Yeah. This leads to Japan, and then it leads to uh, WWF. Yeah, and there's a cool match that was mentioned on the Pritchard show. Uh, from Mexico, where on opposite sides you have Yoko and Andre the Giant on the other side in a mm. six-man. It's on YouTube. I have it saved. I'll throw up the link uh, if anyone wants to see it. Um, that was an interesting match to see the two of them in the ring together. Just a, you know, a few months before Andre died, right? And, yeah, so that was, that was another another match. But this one had a bit more to it with the turn. Yeah, I, I mean, I... Wasn't great. I still gave it three fourths of a star. Yeah. Nord's over, so at least you got a reaction from the show. It was a battle of hosses. You got some big old um fans like Nord's big boot is awesome looking. That got a little got a little nerve holdy at times, and of course the gimmick gets part of the match. I, I would I think I would have enjoyed it more if we didn't have the gimmick. Where we where do you fall, John? So this lumber, these are the least uh, intimidating bunch of lumberjacks. They don't lumber. When guys go out of the ring, they all just kind of swarm around and pat the guys on the shoulders. Yeah, they didn't even just play into the game. Hey, the and there's there's a dude just in his street clothes who gets his hands on when they, they when they hand uh, the axe and he holds up the axe. Coquina's like, hey you, you know, and he's like, I got the axe. And it's, but it's just a guy in jeans and a polo shirt. It's shot from behind. I'm like, who the fuck is that asshole? Uh, maybe it's that guy who's the referee. That I was gonna say, I think that's who it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, maybe that, yeah. that, that. We'll have a lot to say about that individual. Oh, that that that. Okay. And <laughs> all they just do is like, go shame, shame, shame. Get back in the ring, boys. <laughs> and this actually was my favorite match of the night. Uh, because the crowd was into it, and I I was just I've never seen any Coquina, and that's what I wanted to say. I'm like I want to watch Young Yokozuna work, and Nord's fine enough, and that big boot and uh, Yoko's uh, sell of it was fucking awesome. So I was like, oh, that was cool. So there were some cool spots in this. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm liking this. Even though fucking Nord looks like an asshole with a fucking fox on his head. <laughs> uh, what kind of lumberjack wears a, 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 like a, a, a dead fox on his head? That's not a lumberjack thing. <laughs> and here's the thing. I thought that the bounty thing, I thought, well, El Cassie has been keeping money away from 
Kokina, who at this point is a Samoan guy, and the, he finds out, and my mind immediately went to, the, are they just doing like a retread of Albano and Snuka? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. It's the, first thing, it's the first thing my WWF mind went to. And as Kokina's leaving the ring, that same uh, homophobic man from before, well, he, you know, he may be a homophobe, but he definitely is, is fine with the Samoan people because he starts chanting, Kokaina, Kokaina, Kokaina. And there's people, it catches on, there's people chanting, Kokaina. And he walks by this fucking hillbilly and he goes, because he's chasing uh, El Casey. And he goes, Go get him, Kokaina, go get him. And then you hear someone go, Yeah, WWF. Number one. <laughs> they didn't even know what show they were at. Prophetic, yeah, looking into the future. They had no, they, no someone there thought they were at a WWF show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we love WWF. It's best. <laughs> and then All that right. transitions us over to Mr. Saito versus Larry Z. And, you know, I'm paying for this as one of the matches I was really looking forward to because Saito's a really good worker. Uh, Larry Zabisco's an underrated, really good worker. It didn't really click for me. Nope. There were moments I liked. I'll get to it. But, man, it fell apart for me. Where do you land, Kelly? Uh, well, I thought this was the best match of the show. I mean, it's not a classic by no means, but I mean, I love both guys, Mr. Saito, Mr. Torture, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, a favorite from the Titans days, right? Him and Fuji. Yep. And Larry, of course, a favorite from the Titans days too. So here's That's a right. early '80s WWF match. Um. Bockwinkle, Nick Bockwinkle is the ref. This must have been, I think, his return to the AWA after going to the WWF for a while and was a commentator sometimes. He was an agent, mostly, and uh, didn't stick around for a while. He's Uh, 83 years old and looks great. (laughs) Um, Well, speaking of 83 years old and looking great, we get Vern... Ringania finally makes oh, an appearance. Yes, we do. <laughs> what about that. that announcement of Vern? Oh, you want oh, to talk, let's man. talk about the announcement. Yeah, that was not good. Let's talk about the announcement. Because you know, this is the – they've got all the the, 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 the the important people in the ring. Bob yeah. Ryan. Who, who the fuck is Bob Ryan? But Joe Blanchard and Ricky yeah. Chozu. Yeah, and, and but here's the thing: it's being announced by Donna Ganya, who then says for the referee, and I, I don't think she got it quite right because here's what she said: Tiger, and then she pauses a long time. Karate? <laughs> yes, yes, she had no clue. And then she says, "Of course, this is her father." And this guy, she says, "Guy, this guy, this guy." Needs no introduction. You wish he'd come out of retirement just one more time. <laughs> the living legend of the Vern guy. And, like, you know, and, the, and the crowd went, like, there was some applause, and the crowd went, 
resoundingly, okay, do, do they really want him to come out of retirement one more time? Apparently not, because no. there's a lot of boo. <laughs> boo. Straight up fun Eric uh, talking point here. <laughs> Don't you want her? This woman wants her Alzheimer's riddled father to come out of retirement just one more time. That'll pop I, a I game. You also, I, maybe you guys can correct me. I thought. Come out of retirement one more time and win the championship. I can swear I heard that. She didn't say win the championship. Here's the thing. That's the first assumption you had because you okay. wouldn't be wrong. Because the last time he – why not? They should have fucking done that. He should have done that to his son-in-law. Yeah. He should yeah. have fucking said, fuck you, Larry Land. The yeah. last world champion is – look, they already – I looked I looked like an old man when I was in my peak. Put it on my fucking decrepit ass as we bury this promotion. <laughs> that should have just been the last show with like loser yep. leaves town or whatever. Larry goes to WCW, drops the strap to Vern. To Vern. The end. The end. That's um, it. Oh well, too late now. Um, <laughs> there we but know. Yeah, totally mixed, mixed response for Vern. Um, I'm sure a lot of the crowd was taking out their frustrations in the last couple of years. Uh, on Vern here. They all know it's dead, too. They know what's yeah. going on. It's pretty sad. Um, Bockwinkle looks great, though. And he's he's, he's pretty good he here. And he's the perfect choice for the ref because he had a history with Larry Z. They were a team. Larry turned on him. They actually did kind of a Bruno Larry-type feud yeah. with uh, Bockwinkle. And, um, and Larry cost uh, uh, Vern, his, I mean, Nick, his last title. Uh, that's correct. The quarters. Yeah, Laurel LaCorders handed to Kurt Hedding at yeah. Super Clash 2 and in Bach, San Francisco. And Bachwinkle used had been tag team partner yep. with Mr. Saida. Yep, yep. Uh, so exactly. Uh, so there's more history. Oh, Masa Saito. They, 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 he's not Mr. Saito here. He's Masa Saito. I'm and sorry. didn't Larry and Saito team then afterwards? Probably. After, after yeah. Larry turned on uh, Bachwinkle? I think so. Um, so yeah, there's a, intertwined relationships here and, but I think the main failing of this match is that it's heel versus heel, basically. Yeah. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> so that's a tough one to get over. Uh, Larry, he's not going to be the baby face, even though I, I guess he, nah, he had to stay heel, but Saito's not a good baby face at all. And he's not really here. But the AWA um, presented him as a babyface on TV. Yeah, okay, see, I, yeah. I wasn't well, sure how it was presented. Yeah, it was definitely, Larry this. Z was definitely presented as the heel on TV. Right. And Saito, he wasn't like the ultimate babyface, he was definitely presented as the babyface yeah. in this feud. Okay, but let me tell you, from the perception of the children watching the show, because they said this, one of them said, hey, Who's the bad guy? The kid, little kid said, hey, who's the bad guy? And the teenager went, yeah. they're both, he went, they're both bad guys. Yeah. And that would be and more of the history players. of wrestling at this point. Have we ever had a, a babyface Japanese wrestler? Not, yeah, not too many that I can. They're always the evil head. people. So, yeah. yeah I mean, and Saito had been the evil well, Japanese heel in the AWA for a long time. Yes, for the most oh. part, but when they brought in like certain people like Tatsumi Fujinami and, and stuff in WWF, 
Yeah, but they never got runs with the belt. They never got long runs on top. No, no, no. But they were like brief, brief. I know what you mean. The, the stereotype for people who stuck around was yeah. You know, yeah. Your, uh, Saito at least he he got a decent like four to six month run here in AWA. Not with the yeah. belt, but being in the mix of the belt. Yeah, and uh, another interesting note is the the match that where Saito won the belt from Larry was on a Tokyo Dome. Card in February. It's a great show. That'd be a great show. Great match. That's a and match, here's yeah. the contrast. Yeah, I've seen that one too. That one's better. Yeah, um, way better. That's I, why I was excited for this one. But yeah, I mentioned WrestleMania six earlier. The attendance for that show was about the same as WrestleMania six, like sixty, sixty-five thousand. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh-huh. So it was an interesting show because it was supposed to be a New Japan WCW joint show, but WCW pulled out at the last second and. Um, New Japan had to go to All Japan and do a last-second dream card. Yeah. Uh, it's got the famous uh, Vader versus Stan Hansen match where uh, Vader's eye pops out of its socket. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is that, that show? Yeah, it's yeah. on that show. Same show with uh, Larry Z and Sato. So, wait, so switch. you just blew my mind. Imagine you are Larry Zabisco and Masa Saito, two performers working together. You know at some point during this, they – or they or later back they brought it up like can you fucking believe that shit we just we did this just before in front of 65 fucking thousand people and look at this fucking train wreck of a fuck yeah and, and that's his father-in-law yeah <laughs> holy I know. shit that's yeah. wild it's crazy um so yeah that was in february it was actually the day before uh tyson and buster douglas in the tokyo dome Oh! Yeah, and that show drew far less than the wrestling show. Uh, that's another bit of trivia. Wow. Because, well, that was, Douglas was a 50-to-1 underdog. There wasn't much interest. Plus, it was in Japan, too. I don't know if Tyson meant a lot to the Japanese. But anyway, that's a little bit of trivia. So here we are, <laughs> two months later in Minnesota, 2,000 people for this match. Um one of my first notes is like only a few minutes into this match, and it's way better than anything we've seen so far. I mean, yeah. they worked at a pretty good pace. Uh, Saito's always snug. Uh, Larry can hold his own. Um, good struggle over holds, I thought. And uh, Saito, I love his sharpshooter slash scorpion deathlock, whatever you want to call it. Always looks good when he puts it on. Uh, Larry made it to the ropes to break it. Um, then we had a bunch of near falls. There was some a great uh, back suplex by Saito, of course. And but the finish was horrible. It yeah, was, the finish was the worst. It yeah, was, finish works for me on a couple of levels, not here uh, per se, because like you like you're saying the, the babyface heel thing, but it's a great heel finish uh, to set up rematches with a baby face. Yes. Yes. If it's presented correctly and yes. they fucked everything up here, We've including the ring announcing. Well, like with Flair and Steamboat at the clash, uh, when they did their like 55 minute thing, they did this. Yeah. Finish. They did it at Springs stampede to set up a rematch. It works. It presented properly. Saito just wasn't the right guy to do it. Cause no one really give a shit. Well, I'll paint the picture for people who haven't seen it. It's the old WWF uh, Vince Sr. favorite finish where the one guy suplexes the other guy. Their shoulders are both on the mat. The ref counts one, two, and at three, the guy who was suplexed gets his shoulder up. And then the 
the guy who suplexed him acts all confused, like, oh, I pinned him. I pinned himself, yeah. Yeah, but he pinned himself, and it, here the execution was just kind of slow, and it didn't... You well, you, you, you clearly saw Larry's shoulder go up, Yeah, and I'm like, okay, and then they just fucked around with the ring. Okay, we'll talk about and it. And to be fair, yeah. the finish that also helps with commentary. Commentary. Well, yeah, but yeah, here's the commentary. Funny. But here's the, you could easily do this without commentary. I've no, seen no, it. you're right. You don't need it. Visually, you should tell the story. Because because Donna Ganya announces she announces Larry the champion, and Mister says no, no, no. But he is, or he. She announces Saeed. She doesn't announce Saeed. she's fucking it all up basically, and. So, because Bach raises Larry's hand, but she said she announced that Saido won. But Bach is in front of her raising Larry's hand, and then there's Larry chants, and there's all kinds of confusion. And Saido attacks, and well, during the attack, she says, "Everybody, stand by for a correction." And Vern's suddenly out there, and. Then she announces, referee Nick Bockwinkle informed me that Larry Zabisco raised his uh, shoulder, which I was like, which the entire 2,000 people there saw him do. They fucked this up. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. So the finish from, yeah. And it was a pretty short match, too. Ten minutes, if that. Um, for a major title. Well, no, go croquet. Wasn't a major title and hadn't been in well, four or five you know, years. That, but you know, it was that, you know, there. Still is. It, 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 I, this is the the, the the my childhood. You know, I'm like still a major title. You know, to me, I'm like that guy in that video. It's still real to me. I'm like it's it's the AWA title. You know, it made yeah. it meant shit at, at this point, but it still meant something you know, to fans like me. It, it, you know, things die, but I mean that that big giant belt. That, I remember the first time I saw that belt in a magazine. I'm like, yeah, that's so a awesome big looking, fucking yeah. belt. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. Yeah, I I I thought this was the third best match on the show, Kelly. Uh, mm. I give it a star and three fourths. Oh wow, I went two and three fourths. So I okay. like. I enjoyed well, the early part than. where I like loved Aunt Larry's amateur takedown early on. I'm loving the early. UWFI feel to it where he gets this kind of shooty feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. And everything Saido does looks credible. Then it slows down uh, the, the sleeper spot and he gets really mundane here. And I dug the early portion, but it became pretty pedestrian at the seven minute mark on a marker. Um, the finish again to the build. Uh, was okay. It, again, it's, it's a good heel victory finish to set up rematches, but they just screwed up. Like we've already, Johnny already covered, and you guys covered. Uh, they screwed up the finish on how it was presented, and lost a lot of traction for me there. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought I enjoyed the early portion of that, but it just then it felt like they had a really cool. They were doing cool stuff early on, but then it kind of. Didn't lead to anything and got really, really boring as hell for me. What did you uh, make about it? Anything you want to add, John? Uh, just the only other stuff I have to add is uh, one of the little kids must have saw uh, Nord walking by and he yelled, and they, maybe kids like uh, giant men with dead foxes on their head. He's like, Yukon, you're number one, man. 
And then he says, hey, hey, see you later. See you, milkman. See you, milkman. So uh, Jake the Milkman and Milliman is leaving before uh, the show's over. <laughs> Bill Watts would be furious at the, at the Milkman right now. But, he, you know, the Milkman's like, what are you going to fucking do, man? I'm going the fuck home. Look at this. I, I have milk to deliver in the morning, okay? I'm a working man. You know, I got to get I got to get the fuck out of here. Uh, there's one um, uh, buck, turnbuckle shot that Dick Bockwinkle's reaction to is priceless. He's wearing his shiny red shoes, which I love. You know, he looks Nick Bockwinkle just is a dapper old man. And I, I always like looking at the uh, like, look at him. He should be golfing somewhere. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's always a picture. He should just be golfing somewhere, enjoying his retirement. Yeah, I always had, like, the Mr. Rogers sweaters and... Yeah. yeah. I mean, let me tell you something, sir. I would be an artist on the links, but I choose to use <laughs> my gifts in the squared circle, Lance Russell. Jerry Lawler is a puncher, a fine puncher. That's not wrestling. He's one of my all-time favorites. Um, yeah, I love him. And that leads us to the main event of the Destruction Crew versus the Trooper and Paul Diamond. Oh boy. We have the Destruction Crew, where I think they, I think the Destruction Crew, Mike Anus and Wayne Bloom. Mike Anus won, Anus uh, run Rookie of the Year in the Observer. Bloom was, I think, second or third um, in '89. But two uh, of them won the PWI Rookie of the Year as a team okay. Rookie of the Year. And the reason it was is Enos was the talker of the group. Uh, I thought Wayne Bloom was the better worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this match, I thought Paul Diamond and uh, Wayne Bloom were the two of the best workers on the whole show. Um, I thought the Destruction Crew gimmick, if you take away the the you know the hats and, and the vests and the vest, and they were just called the Destruction Crew and just kicked ass. I liked him. I sure hell liked him better than the Valiant Brother ripoff Beverly Brothers um, feuding with the Road Warriors and over Rocco. Um, <laughs> I don't know. As a gimmick, as a gimmick, give me fake brothers rather than two guys like you know what we do during the day. We one of us waves a flag and the other one, you know, plows up the road. We come to the ring in our shiny safety vests and our yeah, hard hats. I'm saying if you ditch the Fuck safety vest and the helmet and then then the sledgehammer and their gear, the, the destruction crew, I think they would have done better. But it's Beverly Brothers is still a shitty gimmick. It wasn't the best, but it was. That's, best. See, that's a nobody gimmick, a nowhere gimmick. Where we, uh, we're looking at him here, these guys here. I'm shocked how bad they were booked in WWF because they look like the blue chippers here. Well, weren't they murdering jobbers left and right and just putting them in the fucking hospital? Yeah. So many. I have seen so many uh, gifts of the Beverly brothers just murdering jobbers that just looked like, no, that that wasn't good. I know Wayne Bloom's uh, son, Cal, is at NXT right now. Yeah. As a stud blue right. chipper athlete. Yeah. Yeah. Trooper became the Patriot. Yep. Much better gimmick than the Trooper. Well, you know why? <laughs> because, well, you know why? Because, well, besides the obvious that he, from the cop, because he got to wear a mask because that motherfucker should have a mask on him. He's not pretty to look at and his hair's terrible. 
It's funny, both of them would end up wearing masks. Paul Diamond became Kato in the Orient That's right. Express. Yeah. Kato as Lord And Al. Venom, I believe. He was also Venom in Sean Michaels' uh, TWA promotions or champion. Oh, yeah. As- yeah probably. Hamilton's own. Hamilton, Ontario's own Paul Diamond, by the way. Yeah, Paul what? Diamond, I think, is one of the most underrated workers. probably. In the I always like Paul Diamond. I yeah, Bad like- Company. Awesome team. I like Bad, Bad Company, Company, Orient Express, him here. Yeah. Orient Express. They, they were they, they were always so super fun. When I went back and watched all the, the WWF shit I missed, like, on, on video, Orient Express was one of my favorites because of, like, Pat Tanaka, the job guy on Worldwide who I always went, I think that guy's pretty fucking good. Finally yeah. got to be a winner in fucking WWF, and I'm like, that's, that's cool. And... You know, I, I'm, I still can't believe you think the Beverly. What, which gimmick do you like better, Destruction Crew or the Beverly Brothers, uh, Kelly? Oh, Destruction Crew, way better. I lose my mind when I have Johnny defending the Beverly no, Brothers. No, here's why. Here's why. Okay, we're going to go back to this. The name Destruction Crew, fantastic. Right. And if they were Road Warrior-ish or Bikers, Bikers even, fine. But... Even their gear is orange with the yellow stripes, so you can be seen in the dark if you're working on the fucking side of a, the road, and the and it's terrible. It's the it's a it's a shit gimmick. It's awful. Well, the yeah. is well it was a, it was a wardrobe. It, they didn't play into the gimmick. Yeah, that might. anything. They and, wore hats and and the, yeah. It, at least Beverly Brothers is like, okay, that's an old-fashioned wrestling trope. Fake brothers from Hollywood who wear capes. You know, it ain't the best, but it's better than actual construction workers in same uh, gear. As a destruction crew, they were booked really well. They, Like I mentioned earlier, they ended Patera's career. They ended yeah. Wahoo's career. They had the Doomsday Device as their finisher, so they were straight oh, they, from the Road also- Warriors. Um, and they blew through it. Yeah, they destroyed everybody. They won the tag belts and didn't lose them until the very last TV taping, spoiler alert, of <laughs> the AWA to the Trooper Bird. and DJ Peterson. Okay. Uh, so Trooper and, ditched. And I, I guess Diamond left. Proud. Diamond would have went to become Kato in the WWF. That's why that tag team changed. Oh. Um, but that was the last TV taping and it was over, but... Um, no, destruction crew. Clearly, they cool. wanted them as a babyface, the fans anyway. Oh yeah, they were totally cool heels, super over. Uh, but Vern, yeah, didn't pull the trigger that way. Yeah. Just put them up against a bunch of bland babyface teams. Yes. That like these guys, Diamond and Trooper, who were good workers, but Trooper uh, was just, green at this point. But yeah. Yeah. So I'll go into the cage match. You know, I checked and the we'll time before we get there. Destruction crew also has. Tully Blanchard with him. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't recognize Tully. Yeah, I, I, I'm like, who is this guy? Exactly. Uh, I was like, who's like this Joey other manager? I, I did it. I'm like, yeah. another manager? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, he's wearing a track suit. Yeah. Uh, I, I totally didn't know it was Tully until after with yep. the interviews and stuff. Agreed. Uh, yeah, it's funny that none of us noticed it was Tully. <laughs> it's weird. Now um, I'm in the Tully. Yeah, so yeah, Tully's in their corner. Um... When this match started, I checked. There was 30 minutes left, and I didn't know that there was going to be interviews after. I was like, holy fuck, they're going to go 30 in this cage? I was a little, <laughs> I was a little concerned. Yeah. Um, 
so the crew stall like crazy before getting into the cage, like good heels. Um, oh, and Johnny V was their manager when they first started uh, in the AWA, actually. I'm not sure when he disappeared, but at some point he did. Yeah. Um, that kind of gave him a little bit of a rub because Johnny V was coming from the WWF, so that was another thing that kind of made them uh, interesting at first. And, and, he, and he became the manager of the Beverly Brothers. Uh, no, not Johnny V. No, uh, the coach, uh, John Tolos, was their Wasn't manager. Was Johnny V there at one point? No, no. Yeah, and then it, was the, then it was confused. the genius Lanny Poffo. tags and he was there. Maybe yeah, no. the team or something or demolition then, maybe. Okay. Yeah, no, Johnny V was gone by 88, early 88, I believe. Um, Mike Enos is busted open in the first few minutes, so I was glad we got some color. I wasn't sure if we are going to get a a bloody match here. Uh, Faces totally dominate. This is very much, well, this was a trope of the AWA to have this cage match where the titles weren't on the line. Mm. And then you had the babyface team just totally kick the heel team's ass pretty much and win decisively. But they didn't get titles. Um, the Rockers did it with uh, Rose and Somers, and uh, there was other. There's other examples from the past. Um, this was an okay match. It was pretty short too. It was what just over tw- ten minutes. Yeah, I was thinking uh, like twelve, about fourteen, something like that. Yeah, without any commentary, we're unaware that uh, Minnesota Vikings legend, defensive end from the seventies. Bob Lertzema is the guest referee. Okay, that's how you pronounce his name? Because we're going to get into a lot of different pronunciations <laughs> yeah. of his I, I'm name. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Yeah, um, but here's the thing. Without knowing that, this turns into, what the fuck is happening? I know, because there's no commentary. Um, and really, he doesn't do anything to suggest that he's an out-of-the-ordinary referee until the very end. Yeah, and he, I also recognize him as one of the lumberjacks who was. Uh, yeah, he uh, was. Yeah, he was so what Johnny he, yeah. was referring to in the in street clothes. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, see, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that was that was um, So he's the referee here. Um, it all makes sense now when you know who he is, what happens, and what they're building to, and an AWA trope. Yeah, and I guess on TV he had been the troubleshooting. Baby, pro babyface referee before this, and but but wait a minute, then his nickname is the Benchwarmer. I yep. know uh, that. Well, that's just fitting for the AWA in 1990 that the best guy they could get it was the, the Benchwarmer, who, who rode rode pine in the NFL in the 70s. He wasn't even a starter. I mean, uh, they they ben- said it proudly. It's the Benchwarmer, yeah, Bench Benchwarmer Bob. I guess he was, you know, like a cult. Hero in in Minnesota, um, he could talk. That's, the, that's for sure. That's the um, most Minnesota thing owned, ever. He owned um, another thing about him was he owned a couple big time bars in in uh, Minnesota too. Ah, uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, now, yeah. now I understand. Yeah, so he's a man of the people. Yeah. Um, so what happens is Bloom and, and Lertzema get into it, and, and Lertzema slams Bloom into the cage, and this was like what. So we have a referee who's who's fighting back against the wrestlers. Then he drops a leg and gives Enos a leg drop, and then this leads to the, the win. Uh, Trooper getting the pin on Enos. And at this point, I'm like totally. I had no idea who this was. I was like, okay, so we have the, the referee just help 
the baby faces win. I literally, I, I literally, at this point, I literally thought Vern was just like, I don't give a fuck, Go, whatever. Just referee, hey, can I do this? Good. Yeah, I the Finch made me go on the computer and search this shit up. And, yeah, you know. that, yeah, it, it, the Spidey sense tingled at that point. There had to be something going I, on. I couldn't be bothered. I knew you would. <laughs> so they 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 trap Lord Sama in the cage after the match and double team him uh, with Tully, and this all set up a six man tag at the Twin Wars show that we've already talked about. The next this motherfucker wrestles. Yeah, his only match ever, according to oh, wrestling data. Uh, Lertzema and uh, Paul Diamond in the Trooper against the Destruction Crew and Tully Blanchard. Okay, if anyone from WWE Network actually does listen to this show and is just trying to feed my addiction, you find that show, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to definitely review that one if it pops up. So yeah, this this was it. So I know, I bet you they have it. They'll post it up sooner than later. Yeah. Well, I mean, we thought the King of the Ring with Harley winning was going to surface, and it hasn't yet, so you never no. know. It's, it's, but who knows still it's pretty, still pretty random. Well, they have something. They've shown little clips right. of it. Something was filmed. Uh, anyway, yeah, so this was this was okay, I guess. Um, it was, I, I don't know. I, I liked, actually, Larry and Saito more than this match. Yeah, well, I think you're insane on that. Um <laughs> I enjoyed this. I gave this bad boy three and a half. Uh, Holy moly, mother of God. There must be a backstory because they were definitely teasing Enos being afraid of cages. Um, I wish... Because you know why? You know why? No, I know why. I know why. Because where where do you gain experience working on the side of the road? Jail. A cage. Yeah, we'll put that one in, on, on the on the wood pile, John, and we'll explain that joke later. Well, that um, wasn't a joke. It's an observation. Oh, no. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no I'm saying, what, where else would Fast. a guy who, who who took up the profession of working on the side of the road and decided, hey, let's wrestle in our gear, uh, and you know, why would he hate cages? Because he used to be in jail. Yeah, we'll work on that. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! Three and a half stars, Pete. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's about. There's got to be some TV explaining the Enos in the cage. Um, I kind of wish the cage spots were built to more, but I understood what they were doing here because they were just building to a six man. So they needed to get the uh, heels getting their asses kicked, and uh, I thought it was they were do, definitely doing that. Anus uh, here was just bumping all over the place, and could be one of the most ten most underrated wrestlers like ever. Uh, in Anus, I thought was incredible shining up these faces, and uh, I love Diamond's face plant uh, on working on Anus's cut. Paul Diamond is a is a guy. Uh, is, uh, Paul Diamond is a. Um, oh, isn't teaching? Oh yeah, Paul Diamond is a guy. I'm actually shocked that isn't teaching at the Performance Center, knowing oh. his connections with Sean. Um, and then working with him in TWA and stuff. Um, now it's, uh, the, uh, uh the, the, the turn to, uh, uh, turn to, uh, uh what am I doing here? No, no, yeah, yeah. Okay. Turn to big missile drop kick by the trooper sets up a big missed, uh, uh, drop kick sets up the heat 
Um, he sets up the other heat. Uh, so they kind of set it up different. Usually you get this, we got the baby face shine and now it's the heat. And now the trooper's bleeding. Uh, so we're getting double juice. Um, I love the destruction crew's uh, decapitation device. I like absolutely nasty. I don't understand the finish. This is my notes when, before I researched it. Love the heels had to fight their way to the back, though, because there was some serious serious heat uh, coming from the finish. And it sets up the six-man. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I thought it was a really fun tag match. Uh, we got the heat, shines, and blood. Uh, I checked a lot of boxes for me. And it felt like the match, it felt like the fans actually cared about this match, which is something I can't say for pretty much most of this card. Um, they finally came alive here. And they were rocking and rolling with this this thing, and but clearly they love themselves as some destruction crew. Uh, where are you following this, John? Um, well, before the match started, because of the intermission, this just shows how fucking dead <clears throat> fucking crowd is, you know, and the promotion is. Uh, not Donna, because Vern knows we need a male voice to make this announcement, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't say please. Ladies and gentlemen, return to your seats. The match is about to begin. People wandered off. Just wandered on. Like, they had to remind everybody to fucking come back. We got to start now. How long How long did it take to put, put that cage together? Holy shit. I mean, I remember being at matches in the 80s that had a cage match. And it would. It would be a crowd killer sometimes. It's the main event. And then suddenly it's like we all have to just sit around for fucking 20 minutes sometimes if they if they can't get it right. That happened at a couple shows I was at. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm like, did Vern replace her? But no, no, she gets to still say five minutes elapsed, five minutes. She's like, for anyone who watches The Righteous Gemstones – like I do, and please, you'd be watching it on HBO. She's the Judy. She's the Judy of this of the family. Judy's nasty. <laughs> She's the best. Um, I actually wrote down who's the manager. Oh, it's Tully. And they toss the ref, and I'm like, okay, there's a ref toss, and then he ain't having it, and this fucking ref just hits a fucking clothesline. Does this, that, the other? I'm like, what the fuck is going on? The ref makes a comeback, and and he just gives the win to the baby faces, and they murder the ref. And I'm literally going, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now, not at all. So I I was enjoying it just fine, and then the end happened, and I'm like, I have, what the fuck is happening? So it was okay, but uh, and. As they're leaving, that's that same guy or somebody they're saying redneck, redneck, and something gets bleeped, and I can't figure it out because apparently the F word for uh, a gay person is fine, but WWE Network bleeps something. I can only imagine what it was, how bad it was to leave that in, and but. Then Don Donagani, and this is where I finally learned that maybe this referee is somebody important, or are they apologizing to him because he didn't expect to actually get whatever? She goes, "Let's hear it for the ref, Bob 
And it sounded to me like Dutchman, or I, I couldn't make it out at all. And they all booed, and boo, and everyone booed because it, it was fucking. I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Then it all all became evident later. But at this point, I didn't know. I also did not know what was coming up next. And well, I was left in a that, John. Before we get to that. Yeah. I just want to say the thing I find most fascinating about this is each one of us had a different favorite match on the show. Uh, well, it's that kind of card where nothing really stands out as. Oh well, no! It's a fucking no! It's a giant fucking terrible dude. This is the death rattle of a promotion. It's terrible. All of it's fucking shit. There's some good workers on it, and so we 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 gravitate to what we like. My right. favorite is Coquina versus Nord. I'm like that's like, you know, even though the the lumberjacks stink. I'm like, fucking. There's Yokozuna moving around like a maniac for a man his size and bumping and John. Yeah, yeah and I mean, you think about it. Each of our things, there's the flaws in it. I mean, Kelly yeah. at least it was we could all agreed on the finish sucked, the way it was handled. Uh, having this referee, none of us knew what the hell was going on. No, it was uh, like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. But here's the thing. This was being t- – I don't even know what why they were taping this. Apparently, they lost their television. But they were taping this for a highlight because it was one hard camera that moved back and forth every now and then. That's it. One hard camera. From, it, this is for highlights. and Or if they're going to have announcing, it will be done in, in post. Uh, this is – what we're watching is – and this is when it becomes clear in the next part. We are watching the raw footage, unedited completely. This is, here's what was taped that night without any edits except for this one bleep. Which <laughs> so like, we, got that, we got that occasionally on the Houston footage. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. Yeah, the only did. thing that made TV was, sorry, Larry and Saito made TV, or not the whole match, but some of it. Otherwise, this was all new, never seen before. And now the part that took us all of us by surprise. Uh, this, I mean, I, this is what I was talking about, the interviews. Like, this is like we got some of this type of stuff in the Houston footage where we'd have outtakes making it on the... Oh, yes, definitely yeah. not. So now, as we think this show is over, I did, suddenly, promos... Backstage promos for Super Clash. Because remember, this is Super Clash. It's a big deal, even though they're going to be dead in a week and a half. And there is Eric Bischoff. And as you guys said, looking a little older, the salt and pepper. Maybe he started going gray early from this and Vern Gagne yelling at him about how to do his fucking job here. Because that occurs. But he's doing interviews. And it was one after another. There were so goddamn many. I was like, every time I'm like, well, this has got to be it, right? Nope. The first one is with Saito and Hattori. And here is babyface Mr. Saito, as you mentioned, Pete. He goes, I, I, I like America. <laughs> I, like, I like American you know, football. I like American food. I'm like McDonald's, especially. I know. <laughs> you like, God. I know. No, he's probably a Burger King man now. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Burger King number one. 
Yeah, it's it. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. Burger King, do it Saito's way. And, and you drive through open late at night. <laughs> yeah. And then McDonald's goes, closed too early. Have to throw a rock through window. <laughs> but I hate American Bachwinkle because Bachwinkle fucked him out of the title, <laughs> according to him, by a bad referee decision. That was great. Like, like I'm like, like you said, I'm supposed to be the good guy. <laughs> no one cares, and. Then suddenly, the next thing you hear, there's direction here. You go, three, two, one, go. And then there's Colonel De Beers, and he's out there. And Colonel De Beers has a ridiculous amount of medals. Uh, He didn't have that many medals when he first showed up in the AWA. He has a comically insane amount of of medals on his military uniform. It's fucking hilarious. And Ed Wiskowski, from what I've known, is a pretty was a pretty funny guy. Is he alive still? Yeah. Yeah. He was a pretty funny guy. You know, he was like, let's go over the top. I'm gonna I want thirty I'm gonna put thirty-five medals on my fucking shirt. It's yeah. hilarious. You know, big giant his his epaulets he stole – he broke into a junior high and stole them from the band. Some band nerd opened up and was like, what the fuck happened to fucking things? They're fucking giant. He, and, he part of it also is he really believed in this gimmick when I've seen interviews with him. Oh, uh, he, he thought it was a money gimmick, but he was just in the wrong promotion. Oh, no, he played it, but at this point, it's all dead. I, I remember when he first came in, he looked legit. Here, he looks comical. Yeah, yeah. just having a fucking goofy time with it. And yeah, you almost look like a Saturday Night Live guy. Yes, there you yeah. go. Yes, uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd would be playing yeah. this. Um, and Vishoff is pointing out to him because he's still with Akbar. Oh, that bounty money's real. And he's like, it was shredded paper. And he's like, listen, crime is so high in this country. Yeah. That someone stole that from. None of this makes any sense unless he has the bounty. But who the fuck knows? And it, it, I'm sure that's the big question when the AWA ended. Who had the bounty? Was it De Beers? And, <laughs> but he's great. He's so much fun. I, I love Colonel De Beers. I love a lot of it. For people to go back and look at a lot of Colonel De Beers shit, especially the early stuff. I understand if it's a little like touchy for certain, for some people. And I understand that it was touchy then, but Holy shit, it was edgy. And he did something very risky as a performer in a business where at that time there were still motherfuckers that thought it was real. And he, he even then in the AWA, I was bored, but, but Colonel De Beers, I was like, Oh, I want to watch Jimmy Snook and beat the shit out of this motherfucker and he murdered a girl so that's good shit um and then there's talk about what are the call numbers this uh, this is all just so fucking just backstage i love this uh, uh, more raw footage and there's bockwinkle in his joker suit to tie it into something that's going on he's got like a purple suit and a black shirt he looks fucking dope doesn't he he looks Fucking awesome! He is going like hit- to be kissing the ring to him, you know. He should you no know, in a purple suit with a black shirt. 
with that blonde pompadour, he is getting pussy later and cocaine. And he's talking about his decision. He goes, now I just want to say, I think and know that Masa Saito is a better wrestler than Larry Zabisco. Yes, but Mr. Zabisco and Mr. Saito, it's the only time you hear Mr. Saito is when he's saying Mr. Zabisco and Mr. Saito. And that's just because Nick Bockwinkle is a gentleman who calls people Mr. <laughs> it's awesome. And he's explaining how the finish happened. And then, you know, look, I don't like, basically, I don't like Nick Bockwinkle, but I had to call I mean, I don't like Larry Zabisco, but I had to call it the way it was, and that was the way it was. And this was great. The suit just blinded my eyes. It was wonderful. And then it's Larry Zabisco and Eric Bischoff. And he goes, Nick Buckwinkle, it turns out, has integrity. <laughs> hey! I love Larry Land. <laughs> Larry Zabisco. Just like you, Pete. He knew everything was getting the shitter. And Larry Zavisco, for the only time in his career, decided to be fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Welcome to Larry Land. There was a picture of a fucking. I remember seeing that shit. There's a picture of a goddamn roller coaster. Yeah. I know. It's fucking to Larry Land. It's fucking fun. Because he, he's just like, who gives a fuck? We're done. Uh, you have a ticket one way to Larry Land. That, that's how we picked up Don. <laughs> hey, you want a one way ticket to Larry Land? Ric Flair has Space Mountain. Larry's going to go, you know, it's a little cheaper. If the family can't afford to go to Space Mountain, the family can definitely afford to go to Larry Land. And he gets off the line. Long live Larry Land, which was tremendous. And then the destruction crew. And here's all the different pronunciations of what? What's his name, Kelly? The, the football player? Bob Lertzema. Lertzema. Okay, that's what it got to. The destruction crew's out and they're bitching about him. And they call him Bob Lusima. They call him Bob Lutzema. And Tully Blanchard comes out. Oh, and he says, we're the new faction in town, boys. We're the terrible trio. Holy shit. That's the worst. That, like the AWA. Worst name for a great threesome. I know. I know. It's like, uh. and, but Tully says, listen here, Lord Cinema. Tully Blanchard is the only one who knows how to pronounce this asshole's name. I didn't pro. know that was his name. <laughs> yeah. It's the only pro. He's the only fucking one who knows how he's to do that. He's the only professional as he's doing a line of coke in the back. I know. He, <laughs> he just did three fucking rails off of the fucking back of a toilet. Off Donaganya. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't, don't tell me. Hey, let, hey, come on. That's Larry Zabisco's wife you're talking about. She's riding in Larry Land. He just fucking did that off the back of a fucking toilet. Nah, Came he out. put a bag over her head and did it on her on her boobs. Oh, how dare you. Fantasy booking here, folks. But then, but, well, you know who would fantasy book that sort of thing? Christopher Love. And he's up next. And I just heard, and this motherfucker is worse than every, the worst Memphis manager. And Peter and I have seen him all. Yeah, from the gauntlet. 
We've seen them all. We've seen everything that happened after after Jimmy Hart left. It was just one after another. Some were great, and there was the, the, the worst. It got worse and worse and worse. None of them were as worse. The bad as downtown Bruno came across as credible. No, but, but nobody was as bad as fucking Christopher Love. and Because that's when I go, oh, he's supposed to be gay. Because he's prancing around. And, the, and here's the thing. This guy actually likes cock, and he's bad at acting like he's gay. This is awful. And he... And, and so I'm like, oh, get, get him off my screen. And there, here comes Bob Lertzma. And they introduce him as a football player. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And then they say, here comes Eric Bischoff, <laughs> former Bob Lertzma. I'm like, that's the worst name ever. He's a bench warmer. And he goes, well, you know, you got involved. And he says, yeah, yeah. You bet your sweet bippy I did. <laughs> like he was on laughing in 1972. You know, no, you I think, think Vern's scripting the promos. Yeah, at this point. Vern's, like, Vern's like, okay, you're the destruction crew. Well, you know, they, you, sh- you, you shouldn't be the fucking road wars. You should work on a, a construction crew. It rhymes. They, um, here you go. You bet your sweet bee. The kids love it. Oh boy! And but I'm laughing at this asshole so much because he's having a good time. It's fucking ridiculous. And they go, well, you know, the destruction crew challenged you, and he went, and he said, challenge? <laughs> I didn't hear that. And that's how it fucking ended. And I'm like, oh, I love him. He's fucking fantastic. And here comes the trooper. And here's where we're gonna uh, start winding. This is the, the wind up. And here is where you see Vern Ga- here Vern Gagne's inner Martin Scorsese, because uh, Bischoff is cutting uh, uh, inter- uh, interviewing the trooper Del Wilkes with his awful hair and his awful pug face. And he says, you know, "Trooper, tonight you and Paul Diamond." And Vern goes, "Like cut, cut." Don't mention diamond. Don't mention diamond. Don't mention the. Okay. Okay. And Bischoff seems intimidated and scared, which he would probably admit he was. It's very good. Yelling at you. Now, why he can't mention diamond is a mystery for another day because it was a tag team match. He's like, fuck him. He's going to fucking WWE. Yeah, maybe he gave his notice as soon as yeah, the match was over. Fucking mask on him and call him a fucking uh, Japanese guy. It's fucking ridiculous. You know, fuck him. He just left. It's something. And Bishop goes, sorry, sorry, sorry. He's like apologetic. And then he does it the right way. And they come up with, well, it's an ODQ match, so I guess the ref can do whatever he wants. And, da, da, da. and all I'm thinking the whole time, looking at Del Wilkes, is going, holy shit, the mask was the best decision of your fucking career. You are not pleasant to look at, sir. And that's the end of this show. Yes, what a finish. <laughs> but a very memorable card, nonetheless. You know, I bet. I mean, you look at this coming out of this. I'm, I about you guys. I'd be excited about Destruction Crew and Telly as a group. Um, Old trio. Yeah, I mean, even though the name sucks, but yeah, I mean, this is a dying promotion. Jesus, they have one <laughs> little spark of this threesome, but they have no baby faces to really work with. Oh gosh, any any thoughts, Telly, on these interviews? 
Oh, not really. I uh, at this point, I, I just was kind of had it on in the background. Um, yeah, I was like Johnny will cover this. this is right up his alley. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't but, sure, but it, but like I said, and then it kept being one after another. After yeah. Like, yeah. Holy shit! There's a what the fuck. Mm-hmm. We went yeah, down. it was, it was neat for that aspect, like the raw footage and outtakes no, and stuff. I was yeah. annoyed because I'm like, this is gonna be all my shit, and there's almost too much. Fuck, <laughs> 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 is this over already? This was yeah. awful. Yeah, like one or two jokes is funny. Five or six jokes, that's a set, you know? You know, 10 or 11 jokes, masterpiece. Like, I mean, here, here's the thing in, in wrapping up. I I, I am obsessed with watching uh, promotions die. It's, 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 it's amazing to me. And not, and not modern shit. And they're like, oh, this indie's wrapping up. Right, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. The, the old, the, 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 the indies, I'm not the indies, the, the territories of the day. I, I get very, uh, I'm very obsessed with watching their dying days. You know, it, it, some can say it's sad, but it's it's just, it's, it's, it's very interesting to me. No, it is interesting. On that note, man, Johnny, anything you want to plug? Uh, it was going to be the Righteous Gemstones. I already got that in. So, no, just everyone watch this, but, you know, drink while you do it. There you go. Kelly, anything you'd like to plug in there? Uh, no, just the old Twitter at MSG1880, Worldcast. And, yeah, we're back, we're back next week in Dallas. Thank God. <laughs> um, you know, uh, these these diversions are fun. But uh, let's get back to Dallas and get well, back to brass taxes business, baby. Hey, follow me on Twitter at Titans O Wrestling. Have a great week. Find something you like. Enjoy it. There's plenty of wrestling out there now. Uh, days, folks. Have a great Too one. Too much. Bye. Kisses from a kissing booth on wheels The sign is pretty poison on the envelope she seals And your love is far away and he knows exactly how she feels Who's torture? Who's torture? What new? You're climbing to your rocket ship and count from ten to one There's no television coverage for that loser on the run you hide yourself in darkness, but we're headed for the sun. Who's torture? Torture, torture, torture. Who's torture? What the news? Torture. Without you, torture. Torture. You're tired and tired and tired. Rocking with a party full of lies And on the tenth floor smoking Till the sun's about to rise There's trouble in 302 Can't you see it in my eyes Who's torture? Torture Without you, baby, torture